0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Father, now as we come to understand your word, would we see the immediate relevance of the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, to all our lives and that we would trust in this message that he commanded his apostles to proclaim to all the people. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what is Easter all about? Why and are, Why are we here? What is this all about? We know that it has something to do with Christianity and, of course, with Jesus Christ. But what is Christianity? And who exactly is this Jesus? We live in uh, what some people have called a relativist age or a relativist society, which means that uh, people like to say things like there is no such thing as absolute truth, and no one has a corner on the market of truth, uh, that there are multiple paths to to, uh, these vague notions of truth. And this sentiment even uh, creeps its way into the church, unfortunately, uh, people saying that there is no true version of Christianity. It is whatever you make of it. You know, your version is your version and my version is mine. But what of Jesus? Who is the real Jesus and what is he all about? Is he just the, the baby that we come to celebrate like Ricky Bobby around Christmas season? Or is he a good teacher or philosopher like some say? Or even other religions who call Jesus? a great prophet. The Hindus and even uh, Muslims believe that Jesus was a prophet. Who, do, who did Jesus say that he was, though? Did he claim, uh, what did he claim to come to do? And what did he do? And what implications do these things have in our lives and on all the world? And what did his followers claim after his uh, life about him? And what does the Bible, all the Bible, what does all the Bible actually say about Jesus? And what does his death mean that we celebrated on Friday and most particularly today? What does it mean that this Jesus we claim rose from the dead? What do you think of all this? These are all rhetorical questions, but I'm trying to get your juices flowing. What do you make of all this? Who is Jesus Christ to you? Do you understand these things, or do you have questions about these questions? Personally, for a very long time, I had no real idea, no solid idea of the answers to these questions, though I had these questions myself, and largely, I didn't really know because one of the final things that I actually read in A Journey of Faith was the New Testament. For about seven years I read Christian writing uh, from thinkers, the Old Testament, uh, spiritual books from all different uh, religions, and Christianity in particular, different philosophers, and even websites, and thank God when I was on my journey that Wikipedia didn't exist because I would have lost myself in that black hole of information. But I didn't read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Acts of the Apostles, the letters from his apostles, and the book of Revelation. That was some of the last stuff that I finally read, which is unfortunate because if you read these books in their totality and take them seriously on their own terms, you will find one clear and coherent message about who Jesus Christ is. What he came to do, what he accomplished, and what his followers said and did after he left, and what this means for all of us. And our passage today, our first passage on page 7 uh, from Acts chapter 10 is helpful in this respect. It might be helpful to have that open, or if you have a Bible, to find Acts chapter 10 and those verses that we read this passage uh, is helpful for understanding clearly who Jesus is, who he said he was, who his apostles said he was, and therefore what Christianity is all about. And it's a great but often overlooked passage that we uh, don't often discuss. And this is unfortunate uh, because uh, no followers of Jesus Christ, no church... And no Christian culture would exist here in the United States without the events that passed there in our passage in Acts chapter 10. With that uh, historical incident there in Acts chapter 10, we wouldn't be here this evening. I mean, maybe you could say that something like it would have come to pass, but there it is, ground zero, the first Gentile believers in Jesus Christ. You see, up to this point, After Jesus, uh, before Jesus left, after his resurrection, before his ascension into heaven, he told his followers to send uh, this message into all the world. And for the first about nine chapters or so in Acts, you see that this message is going in and around Jerusalem and even uh, Samaria, but it's going out to Jewish people Or uh, God-fearers like the Ethiopian eunuch or Samaritans who believed in Yahweh, but they were not Gentiles. And here in chapter 10, for the first time, Gentiles, if you were to go on to read the rest of the chapter or if you have the Bible open, you could see this in the following verses. that These Gentiles received the Holy Spirit, they repent of their past life, and are baptized as new followers of Jesus Christ. So to begin to answer uh, my many rhetorical questions that I raised as I began the sermon, let's just first of all take a very close look at what Peter tells Cornelius, who is a, a Roman centurion. He's a sort of a captain of like a, basically like a platoon of, uh, of uh, Roman soldiers. Hear what Peter, uh, Jesus' uh, apostle, tells Cornelius, the Roman centurion, in verse 42. After uh, he meets Cornelius and his companions and uh, he begins to preach a sermon to, to them, he says this, He, that is Jesus, commanded us, the apostles, to preach to the people, that's all people, to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. So Jesus Christ, the person that many say they admire or even follow and claim to be a respected teacher and prophet, this Jesus, according to Peter and the apostles, instructed them to preach this message to all people. Jesus told Peter, and Peter is now telling them this message, that the one and only true God of the universe appointed Jesus to judge all people, those now alive and those who have died. And ultimately, Jesus will return one day and he will divide all people as either followers of himself or not followers of himself. There are two options only with two separate destinies, is what Peter's explaining. And now you might not like this idea. A lot of people don't like this idea that, that God would judge and that Jesus himself would be a judge. It might not line up with your ideas about who God is. Uh, or who any sort of deity is. But listen to this first sermon that Peter is preaching to Gentile uh, believers about Jesus Christ and his identity, uh, given uh, to, to those uh, who proclaim what Jesus commanded them to preach and teach. They're saying what he told them to say. So what gives Jesus this right to judge all people? For that, we can uh, take a look even more closely at the passage by backing up, actually, to verses 39 through 41, where Peter says, We are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead." So Jesus died at the hands of those whom he came to save. But God raised him, and many people witnessed this. It didn't uh, happen in a corner, but many people, as Peter explains, saw this. He's saying, I was there. Peter says he was with the risen Christ who uh, ate food, And when he ate the food, it went in his mouth and it disappeared in his body like when you and I eat. And this risen Jesus Christ, he drank drink. And when he put the drink in his mouth, the liquid went in his mouth and disappeared in his body. Just like when you and I drink. And so what he's saying is it wasn't an illusion. I was there with the risen bodily Jesus Christ after he died. Similarly, the Apostle Paul explains in his first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 15, a passage that's also often read on Easter Day, he says even more, he says this, for I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Thus, Jesus' resurrection from death sealed his identity as the one he claimed to be, because as you see here with what Paul's writing, look, About, if you do the math, 520, 30-something people saw this resurrected Jesus. That's a lot of witnesses. And by the way, they're still alive, and if you don't believe me, you can go and talk to them. And so, his resurrection, this evidence, seals his identity of who he claimed to be. Well, who did he claim to be? Well, Peter explains that too, if we back up even further, starting at verse 36. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus is Lord of all, anointed and named by God as Jesus explained in Matthew chapter 28, after his resurrection and because of his resurrection, now all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. He's saying, I am the king enthroned over the entire universe. Did you see the photos of that black hole they just, just discovered in outer space or the, the photos they took of it? You can find this online. Six and a half billion times the size of our sun. And so far away that when you're looking at it, you're actually looking at light that's in the past. Jesus, king over that and everything else, including us here on earth. Anointed by God and sealed identity because of his resurrection, Lord of all. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. In his first coming, he came to offer pardon. His first coming, when he came first as a child and grew up as an adolescent and became a man who walked around on earth and taught and healed and died and rose, that first coming, he came to pardon all the evils that are within us through his death. Rather than coming the first time to judge, he came the first time to save, to offer us an out, not just to the Jews, but to all people. And this king sent his apostles in the church as ambassadors to communicate this message of both salvation that he accomplished and the fact that he will return again, as is his right and his power to judge the living and the dead. And so, our time now, right here, right now, between his first coming, where he came to save, and his second coming, that he told us about, where he will return to judge the living and the dead. This time now is a limited window of opportunity to accept the message, to accept the pardon that he graciously give, gave us by coming the first time to save and not to judge. With all this in mind, uh, let us go back to my original question What is Easter all about then? What is Easter all about? Well, for those in Christ, it's the greatest holiday. For those who are in Christ, because of all that I've said, there's no better thing to celebrate. This is the most excellent news in the universe. I I I, I feel like um. I feel like I need to be more excited about it. You know, I mean, I feel like so uh, uh, limited in my ability to express how excellent that news is. That this is the uh, This is the greatest thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. For those who are in Christ, uh, it seals uh, our identity as with him and him as our savior and eternal king. But for those who are not in Christ, it seals one's condemnation to eternal separation from him. So I want to speak to, to each of you directly right now because all of us are in either of these two camps as peter's explaining there are no other options we might say there are more options but it's christ explained and told his apostles to explain and therefore as peter explained as i'm explaining to you now there are only two options two camps to be in well first of all easter in addition to christmas is one of the biggest cultural christian holidays And I doubt that there are many genuine atheists among us here this evening because of that fact. Atheists just don't usually show up on Easter. It's people who are at least uh, uh, culturally okay with the idea of who Jesus is, even if it's vague or sentimental ideas about Jesus. But beyond Christmas and Easter and special occasions, we mostly don't see you. Friends, this is a dangerous position for you to be in. A fruit of genuine faith in Jesus is wanting to be with his people, serving them, and not only them, and loving them, but also serving and loving all the world and wanting to gather together because of the the news that we have and share. Not only should Jesus Christ matter for you about two days a year, but his birth and resurrection should matter for you every single day of your life, including every Sunday in between. As the author of Hebrews explained... He said, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Even then, in the early uh, church, in the first century, there are people who are making a habit of not gathering together. And and the author of Hebrews says, don't do that. You should want to gather together and encourage each other with this news that I'm trying to share this evening. And all the more as that day in the future draws near. If you have an English translation, it will capitalize the word, the D in the word day. Well, what is the day? It is the day of judgment when Christ will judge both the living and the dead. And he will return not as a baby in a manger, but as the reigning Lord and King of all who has the right and power to discern who are the true citizens of his kingdom. Look, if we don't want to spend time with each other here and now, and with Jesus here and now, what makes us think that we'll want to spend time with each other and with him in eternity? Well, I want to read uh, something to you that are perhaps the most difficult words in the Bible. They come from the Sermon on the Mount. If you have a Bible, you can find it. Well, we have some in the pews. Matthew chapter 7, find verse 21. These are some of the worst words for us to hear, but we must hear it. Warnings from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You see, these are people who were culturally Christian, but were depending on their own works and activity to get themselves on Jesus' side and not trusting in him, in him alone. Could this description possibly apply to some of us here this evening? How might some Americans fill in the blank when they see Jesus on that day and say, Lord, Lord? Some might say at the Day of Judgment, Lord, Lord, did we not say grace at meals and avoid drinking alcohol on Sundays, come to church on Christmas and Easter, and keep morally upright lives in your name? They will depend on their own works and their own strength and their own cultural Christianity. But they were unwilling to turn from the life that looks no different from everyone else because they were truly lovers of this world and did not trust and fear Jesus as the eternal judge. Friends, could you be such a one? God forbid it. God forbid it. But if so, there's still time to change. Do not wait. Today is your day. This is the most important thing for you to think about in this life. If there's anything in my pastorship with you, I want you to be clear on this message. And I often go and visit people in old age when they're dying in the hospital bed, and I'll ask them, do they understand this? And sometimes, even though I've seen them Sunday by Sunday in church, they don't. And aren't clear about it. Don't have me come visit you in the hospital when you're dying and be that point. But when I ask you, do you understand the Christian message in the gospel? I hope that you will say, yes, and I stake my life on it. Thanks be to God for Jesus Christ who, is, who died and rose for me. Because I want you to know this message so badly, I want to put it in your hands tonight. I've got a gift for you all to take home. Uh, It's a little booklet that explains very briefly the essence of the Christian message. Could a couple of people come get them and hand them out on either side of the church? So take this and read it when you go home. If you're with family, read it together, discuss it, think about it, pray about it. Don't take it lightly. Please don't just throw it away. It doesn't take long to read. Especially for those of you who don't know where you stand on this topic, but for all of us, and for the rest of us, those who are assuredly followers of Jesus Christ, I have something to say as well. Do you take to heart that Jesus will come again to judge your children? and your parents, and your extended family, and your friends, and your coworkers, and the people that you share hobbies with, and your next door neighbors, and all the people that you love, even those that maybe you don't like, or that you feel are too far gone to save, maybe people from other social classes, from other nationalities, and from other ethnic races. Well, Peter and the apostles initially thought that non-Jewish Gentiles were too far gone to be reached. We see after this passage, even if you go into chapter 11, that the apostles call Peter out on the carpet for sharing a meal with the Gentiles, even though Jesus said to send this message out into all the world. God had to wake Peter up to the fact that Romans, like Cornelius, are worthy of salvation. Is there someone in your life who is too despicable, too dirty or too difficult that you think they could never come to Christ, why not try to talk to that person about Jesus who rose from the dead for them, to make them acceptable to God, to bring them peace, to forgive them in his name. You might even bring them this little booklet and talk about it. You never know, they might die soon. You might die soon. The Lord might come sooner than you realize this is the tension that I see with Easter Sunday in the United States and in the Western world. That we put a sheen of sentimentality on it with all these lilies and, you know, all this joy, and I get that. But for all of us, it's either the greatest news, most excellent news, and worthy of these lilies, but for the rest of us, it's not. It's the worst news, and we must know what side we're on. And so, too, is the day of Christ's return, which is drawing near. It will be either the greatest news for some or the worst news for others. And so let us respond right now before it's possibly too late. I've got a prayer that I want to read to you that's in this booklet. If you want to open it, it's the second to last page where there's text under Talk to God. If you've never talked to God this way before, if you've never made a decision for Jesus Christ before, if he's just been a vague sentimental idea for you, and if you've taken to heart not only my words, they're not my words, they're Christ's words and the apostles' words. This is the teaching of the apostles. If you've taken it to heart this evening, make these words as I read them your words as we pray slowly. Let us pray. Dear God, I know that I am not worthy to be accepted by you. I don't deserve your gift of eternal life. I am guilty of rebelling against you and ignoring you. I need forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son to die for me, that I may be forgiven. Thank you that he rose from the dead to give me new life. Please forgive me and change me that I may live with Jesus as my ruler. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.